God bless you. We started a brand new series last weekend, so I invite you to, to grab your worship guide, and inside you'll find that message outline to pull that out, and then hopefully you'll get a pen, because I'm going to invite you to take some notes during this, uh, this message this morning. Um, if you'll look at that for just a minute, you'll see the title of the message is, God So Loved the World. So one of the chief things we're going to be focusing in is on, on is a scripture that we all know very well, but you'll also notice about that outline that it's a little different than normal. I don't have fill-in-the-blanks for you there. I have left a complete notes section. I'm going to do that every week we're in this series uh, to give you a place to just write down new learnings. And I think you're going to, every week, I'm going to, I hope you're going to learn something brand new, and I hope that you'll maybe write down some notes that are meaningful to you. Most importantly, I hope maybe you'll write down the whispers of God that He might be speaking to you about your life. Now, um, today is a very simple message on the promise of love. Now, this series, I'm focusing on, on the promises of Christmas, and last week we talked about hope, okay? This week we're going to talk about love. Now, before I do that, let me just remind you of the season we're in. This is a season we call Advent. That literally comes from a Latin word which means the coming or the, you know, thinking about Christ's coming into the world. Now, this is the uniqueness of Advent. Are you with me? Watch this. At, in Advent, the coming... We think back to the coming of the Christ. But not only that, we think forward to his coming again as the king in glory. One of my, uh, one of my mentors said it this way. In church, when we do church really well, when we really study God's word really well, and we really get what God wants us to do, oftentimes we're doing exactly what you learned to do when you were a child. We're learning how to swing. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. Do you remember how you learned how to swing? You got on the swing, you held the, you know, the chains or the ropes, whatever it was, and what did you do to start swinging? Do you remember? Oftentimes what you did was you kind of gave yourself a push-off, right? And then what you did was you lean back and you kick forward, right? Lean back and kick forward. Lean, you know this, right? I'm not making fun. I'm, I'm, not, doing, I'm not doing it alone, right, right? You lean back and you kick forward. Well, that's what we're doing in this series. Every week, what we're going to do is we're going to lean back and look at the Christmas story, all right? We're going to go back and we're going to think about the coming of the Christ. And then we're going to kick forward. We're also going to think about what does that mean for us in our future, okay? You're leaning back and you're kicking forward every time. Now, think about it. Last week, we talked about hope, right? The hope of the Christ child coming into the world. What does that promise withhold for us? And then kicking forward, the hope of his second coming. Isn't that a glorious thought? Both a promise there and a promise there. Today we're going to talk about love. It's a very simple concept. We're going to read a scripture that you know so, so, so well. But what we're going to do together is we're going to, we're going to lean back and we're going to think about why did Jesus come to the world? We're going to talk about love, okay? And then we're going to kick forward, and we're going to think about what it would be like one day when Jesus comes again to actually be completely enveloped personally in the full 
presence of the love of God. Well, today I want to talk to you about love. And again, um, it's a simple message, but here's my conviction. The motivation of Christmas is love. And the mission that God puts us on because of Christmas is a mission of love. And we're going to unpack that together, both the motivation and the mission of Christmas. Now, from the very beginning, love, when we talk about that word, we need to understand that love can have a lot of different meanings, right? Even a lot of different textures, uh, contexts, understandings. So, for example, to to, uh, talk about making love is different than to talk about falling in love, right? To think about how you might love your kids is a lot different than how you might love your neighbor, right? Think about how you might love your parents and think about how that's different than loving the next Taylor Swift album, right? Love is a different feeling. It's a different uh, concept depending upon the the, the nature of whatever we're talking about. I, I love pizza. I love hot dogs. So we have to say that sometimes love is, is it can be different. So we're going to be talking about the different ways of talking about love. Now, sometimes when we talk about love, we're talking about those emotions that we get, you know. We're talking about the heartbeat. We're talking about the sweating palms. We're talking about those kind of feelings. But sometimes when we talk about love, we're not talking about those feelings at all. Sometimes we're talking about a decision of the will, a, a decision to love someone no matter what they do. That's a different way of talking about love as well. But here's the concept. When I start talking about love, I need you to understand this from the very beginning. We all desperately need love. We all desire and yearn for love, every single one of us. Those of you who've had an infant before, maybe you, maybe you had a baby, you've held a baby. Have you ever experienced this before where you, you held a baby? You know how babies like to be, the, the really small ones, they like to be swaddled, they like to be all held up tight, right? You ever, you ever taken a baby, held a baby, even if it was a few days old or a few months old, and then all of a sudden you thought you got the baby to sleep and you put the baby down and the baby starts screaming, right? What is the baby saying? I want to be held. And you're going, just give me sleep. But, uh, you know, the baby wants, even a baby wants and is yearning for that kind of attention, that love. And, and it's almost like they, can't, they don't even know it. It's just there inside of them. I, I loved it when my kids were toddlers. Because when I would come home, they would go crazy. You ever ever experienced that? Those of you who are grandparents, you really know what that feels like. Because that's an awesome feeling as a grandparent. When when you you just, those toddlers, they get excited to see you. They're just loving that moment. Why? Because when you walk in, you start pouring attention. You start pouring affection their way. And they, they crave it because of their need for love. I have, I have, one child, no, two? I got two children who are still in their teen years. One's about to escape out of it, and one's got a few more years left. But, you know, if you've ever had teenagers, or if you don't have teenagers, can I talk about teenagers for a minute? Teenagers, let's talk about how they like to experience love. Bo, I'm going to talk about you right in front of you, okay? Here, here's how teenagers love to, to and I don't, I don't carry my phone on Sundays, but they, they, let me tell you how they love to experience love, all right? They, they're looking for affection, they're looking for attention, and they have this thing out there called Instagram. You know what I mean? Now, I don't even have Instagram on my phone, and I don't even know what it's like to use it, but I see my kids use it all the time. And they'll be taking pictures of themselves, they'll be doing this and that, and they'll just shoot it off, right? And they want people to know what they're doing, and then they want replies. 
oh, people, and if they, if they send something out and it doesn't get replies, that's a big deal, okay? I mean, if some, it, did, it didn't get a certain number of likes, you know? I, you know. They only gave me 23. I only got 23 likes. What's wrong with them? And, and they, they Instagram somebody else or what? And then it doesn't come back their way. Hey, listen, they, they want that like. They want that attention. They want that affection. Hey, by the way, you adults ain't no different. You just ain't hip enough to do it with Instagram. You're doing it with Facebook, all right? So Facebook, you're the same way. You put something out there, and you're wanting people to like it, right? And you're wondering, how many people have liked it? You go back to Facebook. You see, see what, is, what is this all about? Some of you guys are going, I don't do any of that. You do other stuff. All right, so, so here's the deal. We all have a need to be loved, and, and, and it presents itself out of us in ways that sometimes we don't even realize it. We are all, listen, every one of us, all looking for affirmation. We are all looking for affection. And every one of us is looking for somebody to like us. To like us. Some of you guys, you grew up in homes where your parents gave you steadfast love. And you felt it. You knew it. And you were blessed because of it. Some of you grew up in a home where love was really hard. Your parents had a hard time communicating love. And it's just the home you grew up in. I grew up in a home like that. Your parents had a hard time getting it out of their mouth that they loved you. Some of you grew up in homes where somebody loved you, and then they walked out the door on you. Some of us grew up in homes where it was almost the opposite of love. You felt like you had to learn any attention, any affection, any like you could get because love was not readily available. Here's what I want to tell you. In every one of those situations, it doesn't really matter. In any one of those situations, we were all in the same place. Every one of us wants love. And, and when we don't get it, we will work hard for it. We will strive for attention and affection. And, and here's the dangerous thing. When you don't get it long enough, you can actually start to wall off your heart because you just don't feel that love. And in this understanding of love, that we all need love, we all need affection, is the good news of the gospel today. That no matter what home you grew up in, whether you experienced love or you didn't experience it readily available to you, no matter what your parents were like or your friends were like or or if a, if a spouse or, or a dad or mom walked down you, no matter any of that, the Bible tells us there is a God who flung the stars in space who is madly in love with you. And that there is a love that He has for you that will not let you go. And here is the, here is the promise of Christmas, that, that God so loved you that he would send his son for you to make a way for you to be with him. Now, this is a transformative idea, but in order to unpack this idea with you, I want to do something that's very rare for me, okay? I normally don't teach you Hebrew words and Greek words, but today I'm going to do it, okay? And maybe you would take that pen and you would write down some new words that you didn't know, okay? So the first two words I wanted to unpack today are the two primary words in the Hebrew Bible in the Old Testament that, are, that, are, that connote love, okay? So the first one is ahav, and maybe you would write that down in your notes. Ahav. That's the Hebrew word for love, and it's found in several different places throughout the Old Testament. It's, uh, 
It's not the primary word used for love in the Old Testament, but it does connote a certain thing. Ahav is emotive love. It is emotional love. And it is having feelings, the, the kind of heart palpitations. It is the feelings towards caring for someone else. Now, in the Old Testament Bible, in, in, the, in the Hebrew language, Ahav is used over and over again by God to reference how God cares for His children. So maybe you would write down to that. This is the emotional love that God talks about when he loves his children, a father loving his children. But also, that same word, ahav, is used, for example, in the Song of Solomon. When God is talking about how he loves us as humanity, but he's talking about it in the, in the sense of a, a husband loving his bride, okay? There's a different connotation there. But it's that emotional love. And I wanted to share kind of an, an image of that. And the image that I want to share is from Hosea chapter 1. I'm sorry, Hosea chapter 11, verse 1 and verse 4. Now, I've taken two different translations because I want you to see both of them put together because they're both powerful. But Hebrews, Hebrew, I'm sorry, Hosea chapter 11, verses 1 and 4 says this. This is God speaking, by the way. When Israel was a child, I ahav. There's that word ahav. I loved him. I led him with cords of human kindness with ties of aha there's that word again it's the emotional i loved him like i loved a child i lifted him like a baby to my cheek bending down to feed him i love the image of that this this is an image of god saying this is this is how much i loved him you ever lifted up a baby to your cheek and you just smelled that baby you were with that baby you love that baby this is the emotional love that god has for us now how cool is that that god would have a word that shared that emotional side to his love. This is unconditional love. This is emotional love. Can I just tell you real quickly? I went to undergraduate school, and one of my degrees was a Bible degree. I went to grad school and did a, a seminary degree. And after I finished seminary, we had our first baby. Her name was Abigail. And can I tell you that Abigail taught me more about God than any of those book classes that I ever had? Becoming a dad and having this, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Having this emotional love for this person who's just a little baba goo, you know? And, and you, just, you, just, you just have this deep, unconditional love. And I tell my kids, I mean, if I had to die for you in a moment, I, I would do it without thinking. It's because I love you like that. It's, and you know what it's like to have that kind of aha of love. You know, it's, that, it's an emotional love that you can't quite describe, but it grabs your heart, and it just it's there. This is how much I love you, you know? By the way, I think Jesus did that on the cross when he stretched out his arm. This is how much I love you. It's the aha of love of God. And I think when God is speaking here in that Hosea passage, and he says it throughout the Old Testament, I think that's what God is saying to us. That same feeling we have for our, our, our children, God is saying, I love you this much. I love my children enough to die for them. Now, that's the first Hebrew word I want to share with you, but the second one is more important to me, okay? So I want you to write that one down. That's, by, that's very important. The second one, I, I hope maybe you'll even memorize. And it's the word Hesed, H-E-S-E-D, Hesed, the Hesed love of God. This is such a worthy word to hold on to. 
So the hesed love of God is that covenantal love. That love where God says, I love you no matter what you do. It's God's love that will not stop for us no matter who we are, where we go, or what we do. It is a determination that God has to care for us and to want our best in every situation. That is hesed love. And the key word there of what I just said is a determination that God has to love us. It is a willful choice love that God has made to give us. Now, sometimes when you read the word hesed in the Bible, the way it's translated, you might see words like steadfast love, okay? That's the way it's translated. When you read the words in the, in the, in the Old Testament, steadfast love, you're, you're reading the word hesed. Or sometimes you'll read the word loving kindness, and that is God's hesed, that he cares and he loves for you. So, for example, Isaiah 63, verses 7 through 9, listen to how the the hesed love of God is displayed in this particular scripture. Isaiah 63, 7. I will recount the gracious deeds of the Lord, the praiseworthy acts of the Lord, because of all that the Lord has done for us and the great favor to the house of Israel that he has shown them according to his mercy, according to the abundance of his hesed, his covenantal love, his steadfast love. No matter what we did, he still showed grace and favor on us. This is the love of God. So this is a, this is a love that doesn't go on emotion, okay? So, so, so I'll give you an example of this. Whenever I'm doing premarital counseling for a couple, this young couple, just picture a young couple and I'm counseling them, normally what I talk to them about is what, what they're, how they're going to love each other when they don't feel like loving each other, okay? And so I'll normally say, okay, now in just a few weeks, I'm going to stand in front of you and friends and family, and it's going to be filled up with a bunch of people, but I'm going to ask you to have covenantal love for one another. And this is how I explain that to them. Listen. I, I listen I am not, we're doing all this with this premarital counseling, I am not doing this to ask you to be madly in love with this person every hour of every day for the rest of your life. You, you're, that's not going to happen. It's impossible. And I said, there are going to be some days where you're just not going to like them. You're going to be angry with them. You are not, you're, you're not going to want to love them, but you have made a choice that you will love them. And here's how marriage works. There are going to be seasons when you're just madly loving. There's going to be seasons where you're not. And you're still going to love that person even when the going gets tough. You're going to love them. And you're going to make a choice today for the covenant love. The love that says, I don't give up. I'm going to love like God even when I don't feel like it. And then normally I pause and I ask them a question. Here's the question. Now, have you already experienced that? You probably have already experienced that in your love, right? I mean, have, have there been some moments where you really didn't like that other person and you didn't want to love them, but you did anyway? And normally they will say, yes, the ones you really worry about are the ones that go, no, that's never happened to us. We're in love. We don't know what it's like to not be in love. And, and that's the ones you got to really go, uh-uh, check mark. We're going to spend more time, go deeper on this one, all right? So, so when, <laughs> what are you talking about here? We're talking about the covenant love. And by the way, go God. I'm so thankful that God loves me with a covenant love. 
Because if he only loved me with an Ahab love, he could change his mind on me because I've given him plenty of moments to change his mind. But God has said he would love us like, like that Ahab love, like he loves his children, like a husband loves his bride. But he also loves us with a Hesed love, a covenant love that says, I've made a choice. I've chosen you. And I will love you and I will pull for your best no matter whatever happens to you. That's the Hesed love of God. It's the beautiful, willful, unconditional love that God has given us. It is action-oriented. It is a determination. It is the practice of love. So I wanted to put one more on there because this is like one of my favorite scriptures in the Old Testament. I believe it's one of the greatest mysteries of the Bible. Jeremiah 31.3 says what? It says, I have hesed. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. This is the promise of God that he, his love will not give up. It is everlasting. It is hesed. It is covenantal love. Now, the next one I want to teach you, and i only got two more, okay? The next one I want to teach you is actually moving on towards the New Testament because the New Testament wasn't written in Hebrew. It was written in Greek. And there's a Greek word, several Greek words of, of love, but I want, to teach, I want to talk to you about one that you've probably heard of before, and that is agape. Have you heard of that term? You probably, most of us have probably heard of that before. There are three or four different words in the Greek that, that, that are the words for love. One is phileo, one is eros. The one I want to focus in on is agape. Because agape, watch this now, agape is the Greek form of the word love. And when you normally see it in the New Testament, oftentimes you're going to see that word agape, and it actually holds both ahav and hesed together, okay? That's why people love that word so much. So agape sometimes will connote, uh, connote the emotional love, and sometimes it will connote the, the, con the covenantal love, the decisional love, okay? That's what agape is. So what is agape? By the way, more than 200 times in the New Testament, agape is used over, over, over again to describe God's love for us. So what is agape? Agape is basically this, selfless, sacrificial love. It is unconditional love, and yet it is emotional love as well. It is the love that God gives to us. And... It is the love that God calls us to show the world. A selfless, sacrificial, determined love. He wants us to receive agape. He wants us to give agape to the world. Now, where is agape shown? So, now we're going to focus in on that scripture that you all know so well, right? John 3, 16. I mean, most of us have learned that scripture from being a child. So real quickly, John 3.16, and I've chosen the King James Version because this is actually the way most of us memorized it, okay? And I'm actually going to ask you to say it out with me full voice because you already know it, right? All right? So full voice together. Let's read this scripture, all right? Ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So when it says, for God so loved, that's agape, okay? So God so loved the world. Now, if it's okay, I'm just going to leave that there. Now, you already know that scripture very well, but I'm going to leave that there because I'm going to break that scripture down for us. But before I even go any further, notice the guy who wrote it. Who wrote that scripture? John. Now, what's interesting about John 
is that John is not like Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I mean, read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and what do they want to talk about? They want to talk about shepherds and wise men and Mary and angels and Joseph and a stable. And when John wrote his gospel, John already had a chance to read those other three gospels. He read every one of them about the birth of Jesus. And do you know what John decided to do? Now, by the way, this is the best friend of Jesus. This is John. John decided, wait a minute, they're starting with the story about Nazareth and Bethlehem, but Jesus was preeminent. He was before that. So John, remember how he began his gospel? He started with, in the beginning was the word. He went way back. And for John, you won't read a story about mangers or stables or about angels or shepherds or kings. It's not going to be there in John. You get to about the same place that you would have gotten in the third chapter with Luke or Mark or, or Matthew, and when you get there, guess what you get to? You get to this. He doesn't tell us those other stories. You know what he tells us? He tells us God so loved the world. He's so agape with emotion, yet willful determination. He so agape the world. He so loved the world that he gave. What does that teach us? Christmas. Christmas is how love was shown to the world. Christmas is God's doorway to present love in the flesh. Jesus came to show us the love of God incarnate. In the flesh, he came to prove that God was passionately in love with us and willfully determined for our best. Jesus was the embodiment of that love. Jesus is God's word incarnate, God's love incarnate in the flesh. Now, if you could get that, I'm just going to leave that scripture there, right? God so loved that he gave. If you could really get that, this is a life-transforming understanding. If you could really grasp this, then you start to understand, well, regardless of whether my parents could or could not show love, regardless of whether my spouse would ever really love me unconditionally or not, regardless of whether my friends ever like me, it does not matter. What really matters is that God loves me. He's passionate about me, and he will always be that way because he has decided that is who he will be. He loves me with a love that will not ever let me go. It will always hold on to me. That is the love that God has given me. For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him. That doorway is only ever received if you become a whosoever and you believe. What are those two words even about? What does whosoever mean? It means that anybody, anybody, 
doesn't matter what your education is, doesn't matter what your bank account looks like, doesn't matter what failures you've had in your past, doesn't matter anything about you, doesn't matter whether you ever served time in jail, doesn't matter whether you've been through a bankruptcy, if you belong to the human race and you can breathe, you are part of the whosoever. Whosoever believeth in him. Believe. So there's another way that you have to receive that doorway of God's love. You have to believe. You have to believe that God would love you and you have to be, be able to receive that love for yourself. I have told you guys countless times about my moment where this happened for me. See, I had heard a lot, a lot, a lot about God's love. But to me, it was all out there. It was just, it was just there. I had heard it. But it doesn't really matter until it comes in here, right? Right? And so I was on a beach with my youth group in, in South Carolina. My youth pastor, who was actually my brother, invited everybody just to go off by yourself and try to hear God's voice. And so I went off by myself into a place that was kind of way off the beach, kind of in that place, you know, where the, what do they call it, the marsh or the reeds or, you know, all that stuff. I kind of went up into that area where nobody else was there. Nobody would be walking past me. And I'll never forget putting my knees down in this cold, white sand. And not really knowing if there was a God, but so wanting to know if there was, could He really love me? And so the best I knew how, I offered a very simple prayer. God, I don't know if you're there, but if you are, I want to know it. And if you are, I want to tell you that I love you. And in a way, it, hey, listen, it wasn't complicated prayer. I said it, right? It wasn't, very, it wasn't deep. It wasn't theological. I didn't know what to pray. I was barely a teenager. But I can tell you in that moment, I didn't hear God's voice audibly, but I heard in my soul the voice of God saying, I am here, and I have loved you all of your life. For me, that was the moment where it wasn't out there anymore, but all of a sudden, I just felt like God's love took a hold of me and embraced me in that moment. Earlier today, we were, we were singing that song, he loves us. Oh, how He loves us. And just for a little while, I, I was quiet. And I just listened to everybody else around me sing it. And I thought, you know what? This song is not nearly as powerful to me until I start to sing it myself. And so I began to voice that same phrase that everybody else was already voicing in the room. He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. And that's when it internalizes for me. And what I'm trying to say, and I don't know that I'm saying very well, is the power and the promise of Christmas is that there is a love that God has for you that is so emotional, and yet it is steadfast and constant. It will not change. But in order for you to receive that promise for yourself, you, you have to be in the company of the whosoever. You have to understand, yes, even for me. And you also have to say, get to a place for yourself where you say, I believe. 
And you know what? Here's what I can tell you. That this room is filled with so many people that their story is not a beach in South Carolina, but they have a story where God's love was made real to them. Where they said some small prayer and they heard the, the voice of God inside themselves and they felt the love and the presence of God for them. It is real. And it's not just a promise, it's a reality. This is the power of John 3.16. The promise that love came down at Christmas time. Okay, two Hebrew words, one Greek word. Let's add one more and we'll be done, okay? Ahav. We talked about hesed, remember? We talked about agape. How about this word? Cosmos. That's an easy one. You already knew that one, right? The cosmos. It's a Greek word. And it's a Greek word that means world or earth or cosmos, okay? It, it, it's, it's the word that means everything that is in existence. So if we were to go back to that other verse, where, and we don't need to put it up there right now because you already have it memorized. For God so loved the, the Greek word is cosmos. God so loved the cosmos. Now here's the idea. That God just didn't love uh, the, the planets that he'd flung, flung into space. But even more intentionally than that, the folks who lived when the Bible was written, all that they knew was their planet, right? Earth. So, so God so loved the earth. But it was even more personal than that. But God so loved what he made on the earth. But God so loved, the cosmos involves everything. God so loved the people on the earth. And then it actually comes all the way down to each one of us personally. For God so loved Julia. So, for God so loved Alyssa. This, so God, for God so loved Jared. It's very personal. God loves me. For God so loves, he so loved the cosmos. He loved everything. Even down to you. This is the big picture of God's love. The world, the earth, the creation, you. So, I want you to grasp this idea with me, if you will. God loved you with agape love. You're part of this whole big thing that he made, the cosmos. Now, what he wants you to do is to receive that agape and then love the cosmos the way he loves the cosmos. So that means even beyond this planet, to love all that is beyond this planet, but everything that is on this planet, and the, and the created order that he gave us, put us in charge of as stewards, to love the created order he made, and then to love people the way that he loves people. God wants you and me to receive the agape and to give the agape away the way that he gives it away, to love the creation and people the way that he loves the creation and people. How do we know this? Read this. John 13, John 13, verse 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you agape, if you love one another, if you love what I've made, if you love one another... Here's another one, 1 John 4, 7, and 8. It's the idea of who God is, okay? 1 John 4, 7, and 8. Beloved, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. That's agape, right? Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is agape. <laughs> That's so cool. 
God in his nature and in his essence is passionate lover. God in his very nature is, the essence of who God is, is determined and willful to love you steadfastly no matter what you do, no matter who you are. That's who he is. Last week when I ended that message on hope, I closed down with a little child song that I learned. Remember this little light of mine? Katie, Katie gave me a couple extra verses. I'm going to let it shine, right? Well, this week I thought I'd bring another. Can we put that scripture up there, please? I, I thought I'd share another child song that I learned because I was learning this stuff when I was a kid, and it took a little while for it to get in my heart, but I learned a little song, and, and it was this scripture. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God, he that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. So, beloved, let us love one another, First John 4, 7 and 8. That's a little song that I learned when I was a kid, right? Now, I learned that when I was a kid. I did not know that I was learning something that was life-transformative. God is agape, and he is telling me he wants me to receive that passionate, determined type love and now give it to the world, that I am to be an administer and filled with the passionate love of God to give that love to the world. This is an idea of God. Now, can I just tell you, all your life, you've probably been besieged with a thousand different concepts of God that were not that. You learn God was something else than that. You've been told, for example, that, oh, God was just after control. He wants to control your life. So you know who God is? God's the puppeteer. He's just trying to control you and tell you to do what he wants you to do. And can I tell you that is so far from the scripture? Sometimes you've learned that God's like a, like a policeman, you know? He's waiting to watch you. He's watching you all the time. He's gonna, whenever you do wrong, that's when he's going to hit you. He's, he's He's a good cop, bad cop, and he's always looking for you to make a mistake. Can I tell you that is far away from who God really is? Some of you guys grew up, and, and whether you were taught this or whether you internalized it yourself, you started looking at God like this hangover parent who, even after you left the house, was still trying to get in your business and always trying to, to look over you and, and, and make sure you're living up to who you need to be. And for you, the way you're still trying to please your parents, that one day you're going to mount up to whatever they want you to be up, you treat God like that. And you think God's sitting back there going, well, one day you'll get your act together. One day you'll, you'll amount to something. And that is so far removed from what the Bible says God is. I wish today in the name of Jesus you could bankrupt all of those false images of God and you could grab a hold of 1 John Four, seven, and eight, and those final three words God is love. Well, Stephen, how do you know that? Is it just that scripture? No, no. As a matter of fact, John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his one and only begotten son. But hardly anybody remembers the next verse. What does John 3.17 say? It says, For God did not send his son into the world to judge and to condemn the world, but to save the world. See, here's the beauty of the good news, that God's motivation has always been love. 
that God loves. He is a God of love. He's not a God of anger. He's not a God of judgment. He's not a God of, when are you going to ever mount up to what I want you to be? That's not who God is. The beauty of the promise of this love is that God is a passionate lover. He is a determined lover, and he will not let you go. I'll say it differently. The orientation of God is love. It's not something else. The motivation, the orientation of who he is by his very essence and nature is that God is love. Well, I've been reading a lot from John today, right? Can I read one more from John? Same guy, wrote Gospel John, wrote 1 John. I want to read one more. And this is uh, 1 John 4, 9 through 12. This is right after 1 John 4, 7 and 8, my little song. Here's the rest of that. 1 John 4, 9 through 12. This is how God showed his agape. (laughs) This is how God put in action his agape among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is agape. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son for us. Sorry. I know, I should be reading the Bible, not that screen anyway. Never, never submit technology to the Word of God. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He agaped us. And He sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, for my sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, since God so agaped us, we also ought to agape one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. I'm telling you that's a transformative idea that the love of God could ever be made complete in a person like me. Could you really get that? That the creator of the cosmos and his word says that his love will be made complete in you when you receive it and you give it away. John Wesley, the guy who who started the Methodist church, was renowned for saying this. I do not know that I will ever be made holy in this life, but one thing I do, I press on to be made perfect in love in this life. John Wesley's prayer was, Oh God, help me to love, and by the end of my days, help me to be the best, fullest, most perfect love person that I can be because of what you've given to me. Golly, I didn't know I was going to be leaking. Um, So we have been called to incarnate God's love. To in the flesh take on His love. This is the moment where we kick forward. And we say, what would it look like for me this week to enflesh God's love to my family and my co-worker, to my enemies? You know, here's what I can tell you. Our world's filled with a lot of hurting people. 
And there are people out there that call themselves atheists or agnostics, and they'll say, I don't even know that God exists, or they'll say, I don't believe God exists. But can I tell you something? One of the hardest things for an atheist or an agnostic to do is to deny there's a God when they're experiencing the full love, unconditional, non-judgmental love. It is so hard for them. Their walls break down when they really start to experience love because love breaks down walls. So what would it look like for you this week to embody agape, sacrificial, selfless, passionate, determined and steadfast love? Well, for one thing, we know this. You can only do that if you're a part of the whosoever and you believe. If you've never done that this morning, oh, (laughs) I beg of you to just pray a simple prayer like I did as a little 11-year-old boy. God, I don't know if you're there, but if you are, I want to know it. And I want to tell you that I love you. And you just see if the voice of God doesn't speak His love over you and if you don't feel the enveloping love of God. It's something else to have everybody else talk all around you about the love of God, but it's totally different when you say, I love you, God. You will hear the creator of the cosmos say, I love you and I've loved you all of your life. We have a lot to be grateful for, don't we? That love came down at Christmas time. And that the promise of love is not only that we have it way back there, but that one day we will experience it in full-blown personhood. May we live it. May we flesh out agape this week. Would you pray with me? God, I just want to pause for a minute and thank you for your love. I want to thank you for your Ahav love. I want to thank you for your Hesed love. I want to thank you for your agape of this cosmos. And I just want to say thank you for never giving up on us. And Lord, if there's somebody here today who's never cried out for that love, I pray that, God, you would hear their very simple prayer right now. Reveal yourself to them. Convey your love to them, God. Embrace them with your big arms. And Jesus, I ask you to help us be more loving. I pray for every woman, every man, every boy, every girl in this place. I pray that, God, you would help us to love our family the right way. I pray you'd help us to show strangers around us the agape love of God. I pray you would help us to love our enemies with the agape love of God. Help us to enflesh this love that you have so lavished on us. And Father, it's one thing to hear your word and then to get in our cars and go back to our homes or to our restaurants or wherever we're going. It's another thing to then hear John 3.16 and imitate it. That God so loved, so He gave. 
And this week for us, to not only hear the good word, but then to go do the good word. That we would not only love, we would give. So God, help us to give words of encouragement. Help us to give touches of appreciation. Help us to stop and give people full and undivided attention. And help us to love people because they're craving it. They're hungry for it. Help us to give affection and help us to sacrifice. Help us to be you on this planet. And in so doing, God, let Christmas be born in us. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Thank you for your word to us today. And thank you for trusting us enough to be the physical flesh expression of your love on this planet. May your love be complete in us. This is our prayer, Jesus, and we pray this in your most holy name. Amen.